good evening and welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to tonight's edition of Springboard Virtual University. It's, it's exactly 23 days more to the end of the year 2019. How has the year been for you? Tell me about the good, the bad and the ugly. 23 days more to the end of the year. Tell me about your testimonies, your joys, your triumphs and your trials as we count down to the brand new decade 2020 and beyond this is the platform where your personal value is enriched on a weekly basis springboard is brought to you by legacy and legacy and your superstation joy 99.7 fm the broadcast is made possible by the kind courtesy of mtn ghana's number one network echo bank the pan-african bank and our print media partner the graphic business thank you for joining us on joy fm and live on facebook at joy 997 fm Albert Any Okran and Comfort Okran A. My name is Albert Okran. And on behalf of the Virtual Academic Board, chaired by Comfort with support from Matthew, Priscilla, David, Amos, Emmanuel, and Jojo, I welcome you to our end-of-year series called The Leader's Digest. In this series, we hang out with change makers and find out about their vision, their choices or decisions, the values they hold dear, and their learnings. Did they learn these things by experience or they learned by observation and by listening? Our guest for tonight is Kofi Dazi, the co-founder and executive vice chairman of Rankard. Is it Rankard Solutions or Rankard? Rankard, right. Kufu, welcome to Springboard. You are you are uh, faculty faculty here, so I guess it's welcome home. Yes, sir, and it's a good uh, time to be back here. As it's well. good to it's good to have you as well. We'll be Thank shortly you. unpacking the issues in in Leaders Digest. But our big question for today, guys, how many times when you are climbing up, up the ladder of leadership, you have loads of ideas and counter proposals, alternative strategies about best practices but oftentimes when you find yourself in that position of leadership the story is very different so i'm asking is leadership difficult is it difficult is leadership difficult send your thoughts now by whatsapp 024-9999-555 many times when you are climbing up the ladder you have loads of ideas about how things should get done and then when you get there you have loads of explanations is leadership difficult? In our Data is King segment today, Amos will tell us why fairness is ranked next only to integrity as the most important value in leadership. You don't want to miss that segment. And he would also take on the Game Changer segment today about assumptions. Have you assumed that something is a done deal only to get a rude awakening? Stay tuned for our, our Game Changer segment today. It's a packed show tonight. And we dedicate this one to all long-suffering supporters of Manchester United. All supporters, especially the long-suffering ones, those who have been supporters for more than 10 years and beyond. We give you this whole show after your brilliant performance this week, winning two big matches back-to-back, Wednesday and Saturday. I declare them holidays ex post facto. (laughs) <laughs> for all my you supporters, don't go to work. <laughs> Can you see? <laughs> also, to Dr. Irina Kwaku, you graduated yesterday with the uh, long-awaited doctorate degree from the Swiss 
International Business School and from NIPS in Ghana. Irene, you make us all very proud. One day I'm going to bring Irene to the studio and share that amazing story. You will love it. Irene has a story that you just must hear and we'll make that happen sometime in January 2020 as we set the year underway. It's a story that will inspire you for a whole year. So look out for that one right here on your virtual university. But let's start with our quote for the day. And today, Council of Leadership Coach John Maxwell, who was in Ghana earlier this year, he says, the single biggest way to impact an organization is to focus on leadership development. There is almost no limit to the potential of an organization that, one, recruits good people, two, raises them up as leaders, and three, continually develops them. If you are listening tonight, according to John Maxwell, if you want to develop your organization to the very highest level or leadership to the very highest level, simple. Number one, bring in good people. That means that make sure that the gate is closed to bad people. Number two, when you bring the good people in, raise them up as leaders. And number three, just continue developing them. Talking of which, I'm asking a question. You're talking about raising people, developing them, and making them leaders. The question is, is leadership difficult? Because when you're raising these people, they always have ideas about how it should be at the top. When they get there, do they deliver? That's our big question tonight on Leaders, leaders Digest. But tonight, I get to host a man who is a co-founder of an information technology company with footprints across Africa. He served as founding CEO for years and is now transitioning into an executive vice chairman role. I observed, I attended the ceremony when Jim Baden was retiring as CEO of Fidelity Bank and watched him and Edward introduce a new CEO. And I was asking myself, how did he feel? Then I watched Ken and Kelly of Data Bank introduce Kojua Diamonds and I was asking, how did they feel as co-founders handling a baby? for years and then entrusting it to someone else so i have asked both of them interestingly i've asked jim i've asked edward i've asked ken and i've asked kelly i won't tell you the answers maybe it's for another day but let me ask you kofi how does it feel transitioning from your role as founding ceo to another role talk to us um i'll bet it's a it's a deep sense of pride for me, um, particularly because um, right from the initial founding of the organization, my co-founder Ehi and I had designed this organization to be one in which we would transition out and retire from our executive positions as founders um, while we were still young. And you see yourself as young. Um, <laughs> relatively. <laughs> it's relative indeed. Right. So um, it's, it's, it's a deep sense of pride in two dimensions. One, being able to make that happen, where there is a strong and evolving leadership team, there's a strong and clear vision and mission, there's a process of evolution and a developing product cycle there, and that I'm able to take a step back not no longer have my hands on the reins but be able to watch from the outside and see that next evolution of the organization occur right it's also with a deep sense of pride the other dimension is to look at a, a team that has an understanding and the strength to 
take the reins. You see, one is the giving of the reins. The other is watching who is taking the reins. And um, especially having uh, people whom we've groomed internally. So our general manager, Ernest Osei Wusu, who joined us about nine years ago um, from a junior accounting position, understood the business. I remember moments traveling with him, being in Lagos, setting up the entity there and just seeing him take up the reins and lead the team. And, And so one is the handing off the reins and being able to let that go. Um, the other is is watching somebody else take it up, take important decisions while you are there and have the courage to uh, do that. So, um, is, is, is it frightening? Is it painful? Is that trepidation? Is it, talk to me. I mean, I, I know you will say, you will say it nicely, but you, you, you've done this all your life. Mm-hmm. You know what to do almost instinctively and impulsively. Watching somebody do it and knowing that they will make mistakes sometimes, don't you feel like sometimes just working? As, I, I mean, there's supposed to be withdrawal symptoms, especially for when you've been head of state before, you're still around and somebody's somebody's making their first hundred days and they're making their mistakes. You feel like, I mean, the, the former president said one day he, he was driving towards the castle before he ran himself, like, this is home, branch and go home. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's, it's um, and I'm probably go- still going through aspects of that. Has your office changed? My, my office, office hasn't physically changed yet. It's, uh, transition I'm still managing, so I'm still there a bit. Um, but it's, it's um, yes, there are times when I'm about to engage in something or jump in something and I realize no, I have to pull back. It's in somebody else's hands. Wow. And so it's no longer mine to determine, mine to say. Um, and it's a transition which I suspect I will go through again with my wife when our kids hit an age where they start expressing their independence at a new level. So, uh, maybe when he gets the come and consult me, <laughs> I absolutely will. Yeah. All right, it's 13 minutes past the hour of seven o'clock. If you just joined us, this is a discussion we call the Leaders Digest, and my guest is Kofi Daz, the co-founder and executive vice chairman of Rankard. Rank, uh, Kofi has been part of this journey, Springboard journey, um, for several years, and he was a big catalyst or inspiration in our quest to go digital with the Springboard vision, and he was very much a part of that transition or that evolution, if you want, want to use that word. But Kofi, in the quote for the day, we spoke about John Maxwell, who says the single biggest way to impact an organization is to focus on leadership development. He recommends three things. One, recruit good people. Two, raise them up as leaders. And three, continually develop them. Would you subscribe to this, this theory? 100%. Um, recruiting good people is about making choices. Um, Developing them is requires further choices being made. Sometimes you'll be making personal choices, taking risks, where you step back and allow them to go ahead, even to make mistakes so that they learn. Um, there's a stage where you have to be there to assist people, to back them up, um, but most importantly, to express the confidence you have in them. Because ultimately, I think we reflect the same in our parenting. And when we're growing up, there's a sense of confidence that as a child growing up you have when you feel your parents entrust things which are important to them into your hands. You know, it's the 
when you have a parent maybe stepping away from home and they lock a door and they leave the keys with you. You know, there's a sense of you being seen as being entrusted with something which is important. I think it's the same in the workplace, in the professional world. When you are now in that leading position and you have to entrust important, critical, genuinely critical things into the hands of others. And I think there's an extent to which that that's what John Maxwell is referring to. Um, but before you find the courage as a leader to put those keys or that precious property or decision into somebody else's hands, you need to have made some good and important choices in selecting the right people into position. Let's talk about the, the point I made earlier on in my question for the day. Many people, when they are climbing up the ladder, have brilliant ideas about how things should get done. And sometimes they get into those positions and they don't deliver on the same mandate. They don't, they don't deliver as expected. Is execution difficult? Is, is leadership difficult? Well, um, leadership and execution in anything that is significant is significantly difficult. Say that again. Leadership and execution in anything that is significant is significantly difficult. I must write it down. Continue. Ultimately, you are bringing perhaps three things to it. You are bringing understanding, so a deep understanding of some problem you are trying to overcome and where it has impact. Hopefully, you are bringing skill, so some means tools, ability to work at the elements of the problem you're trying to overcome. And most importantly, you're bringing a discipline and focus, what it will take to persist. Because execution of significant challenges often incur as a certain amount of time over which you're going to encounter different obstacles and for which you're going to have to bring different tools and abilities and people and strengths to overcome. So that's where there's a focus and discipline, which will often reflect as persistence, to work your way through it. Um, it's where you make tough decisions and you don't leave them, you follow through on them. So um, ultimately, understanding, skill, and then the discipline to follow through what you're executing on. And if the problem you're working at is significant, then you're going to have to raise the bar of all these things that you're going to bring to overcome. I think what's most important is having a clear picture of what that future state you're trying to achieve is and having real and deep empathy for the people or the circumstances that are going to be impacted by the change you're bringing about. Have a clear picture of the future. Have the discipline to push things through and have the empathy for the people that the change you are bringing affects. These are very heavy-duty issues that you are bringing to bear. But let me come to you as a person and as a leader. What would you call your three most enduring values and why? Well, the first would be excellence. Um, and excellence is not an achieved state. It's a relentless pursuit. The second would be integrity. And I'm referring to continuously striving to be faithful to your commitments. Because sometimes it's difficult to stick through with something you've committed to. But 
integrity is where because you've committed to something, you work at being faithful with it. The third would be discipline. And with discipline, I link um, expressions like focus, reliability. Um, discipline basically is your ability to martel, uh, m- um, marshal your mental energy um, to apply to a course you're focused on and persisted until you have an outcome you desire. It's where you are struggling to stay, to persist, to stick with your original vision and to keep working at it, but you marshal your mental energy. Um, it's where even maybe while going through a physical exercise regime, you are burnt out and you can't find the energy to persist physically, and so you marshal your mental energy to continue until you've arrived at the point and the outcome you want. So. These are the things that I try to stick with, regardless of what I'm working at, whether it's professional or it's personal. Excellence, integrity, and discipline. I, I, I like the way you just you, you just put them together. I mean, you must. You, you, have you ever considered going to academia as a teacher? <laughs> um, I. One of the things I'm still working at, and which is not much of a strength, is patience. And I think those who are in academia have to have a patience for each and every student you're working with um, to be able to make sure that you are bringing them to understanding. So what I hope is that what I learn, I can also share. But I need the. I often work with the kinds of students who just pick it up and run with it. The, alter, the alternative is writing. Either you <laughs> go you, you into either academia or writing. But let me give you a, a rundown of the thoughts that I've picked from you so far. The two big ones. First. Leadership and execution, anything that is significant, is significantly difficult. And that was the first quote I got from you. I I loved it. In anything that is significant, leadership and execution is significantly difficult. I love that one. And then your three values that undergird your life, you, you isolated excellence, which you say it is not an end, but a continuous pursuit. You chose integrity, which... Relentless pursuit, okay. And then you choose integrity, which you say it is continually striving to be faithful to the commitments that you have made, which include your commitment to Ifwa. And then the third one is discipline, which you hinged on focus and reliability. But you talked about marshalling mental energy um, on a a chosen course and pursuing that course. You likened it to physical fitness. At the mention of physical physical fitness, my mind went to somebody I know who somebody I know who is very, very interesting when it comes to the person's persona and then his physical fitness regime. The first time I found out that that person was into karate, I said, no, that must be, that is not possible. And then I saw a picture of him on social media actually practicing, and I said, whoa, I had him in the studio a couple of weeks ago, and Patrick Uwa is just such a a calm, cool person, and that interview was watched across the world. Then the next day, I saw his picture on social media and found out he was, is a black belt? Yes. Third degree Third degree black belt. I said, wow, one day when I grow up, 
I'll be a white belt. <laughs> Good evening, Patrick. Good evening. How are you? Oh, very well, very well. I have your brother here. He he says, I have your brother Kofidas in the studio. He says his whole life, discipline to him is like setting a martial arts goal and then and then pursuing it with marshalling all your your physical and mental energy in pursuing that goal. He he told me before we came on air that he he's being mentored into martial arts by you. True or false? That's true. So Kofi just, just joined my karate class, so we we practice martial arts together. There's something the two of you have in common: calm, um, thinkers, and then you also execute. And then now you're adding martial arts. I probably should join your club. <laughs> okay, maybe we should have a CEO uh, martial arts club, right? I, I think I think if you have me, I'll, I'll sign up and, and then see how the discipline works out. But Patrick, you've been chairperson of the board with Kofi for on, on Kofi's board for years. What kind of person is Kofi Dazi? Well, you know, um, when I met Kofi and Ehi, I was really struck by a couple of things. One is they loved engineering, they loved learning. Um, and they had great chemistry as co-founders uh, for the for the organization. And they're incredibly hardworking and incredibly ambitious, right? So this was the first thing that struck me about uh, Kofi and his co-founder. Um, and then when I joined the board, uh, the other thing that um, struck me was Kofi really listens. Uh, he's, he's a very humble guy. He listens. Um, he, pays, he paid attention to the advice that he got from the board. He executed a lot of things that we advised him to do, and it made Rankard all the stronger for it. So, passionate about engineering, uh, collegiality with his co-founder, hardworking, and humbling, and somebody who listens. Let me ask you about the correlation between some of these attributes, and I'm very curious about martial arts, true that true. So, so Kofi tells me that he feels all of a sudden that he has discovered a new sense of energy, a new sense of drive and fulfillment um, in engaging in martial arts. As a leadership expert, how does martial arts come to bear in all this? Give me a sense of how you can link up hard work, um, execution, the goal-getting attitude that you mentioned, humility, and then also martial arts, since you, you, you straddle those two worlds. Well, it actually embodies all the things that you described, right? So if you want to study the martial arts, um, you have to sort of enter it with a beginner's mind. You have to be humble to listen to your sensei. But you also have to have the drive to push yourself. You have to push yourself through difficulty. So you're, you're pushing your body to do things that it might not already know how to do, right? And your body will try. But your mind is the thing that could give up before your body gives up. And so martial arts training sort of gives you this mental discipline to tough it out through difficulty. Um, and then there's just uh, working with a partner um, or partners uh, in the dojo. You're, you're learning from each other. You're helping each other along. So all of the things that you just described, you get through the martial arts. And then, of course, there's just um, 
just the physical exercise of it is good for you. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. So you you are you are a third degree black belt, and now I'm finding out what you and Kofi have in common. Kofi tells me I shouldn't mention his his, his belt on there because he's he's a beginner, but <laughs> but he's he's slightly ahead of me. <laughs> so so um Patrick Iwa, Dr. Patrick Iwa, what what will be your thoughts for Kofi as you you leave us today? So my my thoughts for Kofi, well, I have great admiration for for the work that Kofi has done over the years. I'm really glad to have him and honored to have him in my class. And I look forward to another journey with him. It was great working on his board. Um, and it's really good being his sensei. So just bow to you, Kofi. Thank you very much, Dr. Patrick Iwa, founder of Ashesi University. Kofi wants to give you his own thoughts as well. So hold on for Kofi. Sure. Um, I, I bet I'm echoing what anybody who has had the privilege to work with Patrick would say, absolutely inspiring and not the remote kind of inspiring, the kind where you see this real gentleman close up, he opens up, he teaches you by example, he puts himself out there, he sticks through, he backs you up, and if um, those of us who are in his leadership class would be able to replicate the lessons that he reflects, we could change this nation and transform it fundamentally. Thank you very much. Those are your thoughts or Kofi's thoughts about Patrick. Patrick, you want to say a big thank you for joining us tonight. All right. So this is the Leaders Digest on Springboard, your virtual virtual university. And those were the thoughts of Dr. Patrick, who are the founder of Ashesi University. You, you didn't know he was going to be on the show, but... <laughs> When you go for your next karate class, you know what you can talk about. Absolutely. But but Patrick is just such an amazing person, yes. and we are happy that he he got he got to share his thoughts about you, Kofi. In this journey that we are on, you talk about excellence as being a journey. It's not an end that you arrive at, but it's something that you you, you are continuously and relentlessly pursuing. I I find something in common with a number of the leaders that we hang out with, the leaders that we we we, we work through with um, on, on different fronts. But one one interesting commonality is engineering. And you know we've had this conversation before about engineers and and your belief that engineers make very good managers. But it's just interesting how you guys connect and the number of dots that we can thread as we look at the two of you. Mm. Do you see yourself as having a lot of things in common with Patrick? Um, I certainly strive to have a lot of things in common with him. Um, I think where Patrick raises the bar beyond many leaders I've interacted with is the way he eschews, the way he carries his personal discipline, um, the way he conveys that in his everyday life. And um, I got to observe Ashesi University in the, in the early days. I visited that veranda, which was the front office, right. which had the Brekusu campus design on the back wall. And I heard Patrick when he said, in 10 years, we will be there. He wouldn't say we'll be there overnight. He wouldn't try and spin it up and impress anybody that there would be an instant outcome. He would project 
what would seem like a really far future you couldn't see. And work towards it. And then work Hold on a second as I bring on, on somebody else who you would love to hear. You mentioned that you and Patrick, um, you aspire to have some of what Patrick has. I think the two of you have something in common, the pursuit of the good society. And I have somebody on the line who knows all about the pursuit of the good society because he's a director of the Africa Leadership Initiative West Africa that you both belong to yourself and Patrick. Good evening, Kweku Sechiado. Hi, good evening, Albert. Kweku, thanks for joining us on Springboard of Virtual University as we look at leadership and we are just talking about the good society. And we just had Patrick on the line talking about Kofi Dazi and how he knows Kofi Dazi. Let's bring you on as a director of Aliwa or the Africa Leadership Initiative West Africa and also a proponent of the good society that um, Patrick belongs to. Tell us your own perspective about um, about about Kofi Dazi. Oh, hi Kofi. Kweku, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing very well, and it's wonderful to uh, to hear your voice and to and to know that you're in the studio uh, in the great company of uh, of of Albert Okran. So. Um, Kofi Dazi, a few things come to mind when you talk about Kofi Dazi. Uh, Kofi Dazi is a, he's a gentleman. Um, he's, he's a gentleman's gentleman. Um, Kofi Dazi is a, is a brilliant leader. Um, soft-spoken, um, but he's got steely strength and um, very uh, ethical and cerebral, extremely knowledgeable. He's got a depth of knowledge about Greek and Roman civilization like nobody I've ever encountered. But it's not just abstract knowledge for its own sake. He's able somehow connect it to our reality, to Africa, to um, African philosophy, and um, I don't know, I mean, Kofi is just, Kofi is learned, and he applies his knowledge to what he does. So it's not just a techie. He doesn't just make things or fix things or just, he's not just an IT buff. He's a lot, lot more than that. Uh, but above all, he's an exceptional person and leader. If I were, um, if, uh, I'd love to be Kofi's uh, student. Wow. Charlie, I'll record, I'll record the last three minutes of your description and put it on YouTube. Whenever Kofi wants to be inspired, he, he, he just listens. <laughs> One, a gentleman, gentleman. Two, a brilliant leader. Three, soft-spoken. Four, steel strength. Five, ethical. Six, cerebral. Seven, extremely knowledgeable. Wow. Yeah. Ability to connect Greek and Roman civilization and situate it in the African context. Kofi, let me, uh, let me borrow your thoughts. Or, or, or just take advantage of this moment to throw light on the Africa Leadership Initiative West Africa. We don't often get to do this in the media, in the public space, but for the benefit of those who are asking, what is this 
Aliwa or Africa Leadership Initiative West Africa? And what is it that would have Kweku Sechiadu, Kofi Dazi, Patrick Iwa, Albert Ukran, Comfort Ukran in the same group? So for the benefit of our listeners, just give a sense of what Aliwa is about. All right, so I'll keep it short. So uh, Aliwa, African Leadership Initiative, okay, let, let me put it this way. So African Leadership Initiative um, began uh, about 2002. It was a project initiated by Ken Furiata, who was a Henry Crown Fellow. And as a Henry Crown Fellow, uh, you were supposed to um, uh, initiate a leadership project, some a project. You're, you're, you're to initiate a project that gives back. And it assumes that you've been fairly successful, you've done fairly well in your area or field of, uh, of work. Um, but um, You've crossed the point where you you want you need or have to you've reached an inflection point where you want your 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 success to grow into significance uh, to impact uh, beyond yourself and your immediate associates, whether that's family or friends or late or whatever. Um, so Kenofrieta began African Leadership Initiative in 2002, and I was a member, myself and Patrick and a number of others were uh, members of the fellows of the inaugural class. And every uh, three years or so, there's a new class. And each one of us is also supposed to begin or initiate another uh, uh, project of their own, so that you have a you have multiplier projects as each fellow initiates their own project to impact society. The magical, the wonderful thing about African Leadership Initiative is that although it began in Ghana, it subsequently expanded and then uh, it morphed into African Leadership Initiative West Africa, which incorporates a number of leaders, uh, political, business, social, uh, academic uh, uh, leaders, and the arts and and, uh, and culture, people in the arts and culture and so on in Nigeria. And so there are people in Nigeria, for example, former minister of uh, technology and communication, um, the current head of the uh, 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 SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission in Nigeria, um, former minister for industries and so on, a number of people like that. Beyond that, um, it's been replicated in other parts of the world. Make me a promise, Make me a promise that you will come on the show with Asi Ansan to talk about Aliwa. I will do that because we should talk about a good society and bring it into the Ghanaian context. Sure, absolutely. And and so you've got. Uh, um, just to sum up, you've got the uh, Aliwa, West, uh, Aliwa, which is West Africa, and then it's been replicated in the rest of uh, uh, Africa. So you've got East African leadership, you've got South African leadership, you have India 
uh, leadership initiative you have middle east you have china you have uh, central america and so on and so forth so this seed that was planted here in ghana has now become a global phenomenon with leadership initiatives and each fellow initiating their own uh, project to impact society and all of the fellows are members of the aspen global leadership uh, network and uh, we raise money and do things for um uh, for society and uh we promote uh, ethical leadership um you know so yes i'll be delighted to to come to the studio with let's it. make it happen and we will it will happen soon Absolutely. Thank, thank you so much for Kusi Jado. And if you now, if now you understand why you will see Aspen Global Leadership Institute on my profile, that's how come it happened. And that's why Springboard keeps going from strength to strength because that is our leadership project, Comfort and I, spinning out in different directions, the road show, the radio show, just giving back to society and making this world a better place one person at a time. So this is Springboard, your virtual university. And tonight we are hanging out with Kopidazi in our Leaders Digest. We've had two wonderful leaders Swinging in to join the discussion. When is Kofi? He has he has friends. So big people like like Kwekusi Chadu and then Dr. Patrick Ewa can come in and we can have buy one, get two more for free. But are you a trader or a merchant looking to grow your business? Then now is the time to grow faster and go further with Ecobank's Digi Banking Park. The Ecobank Digi Banking Park is designed to specifically with the growth of your business in mind. The benefits that we offer include zero opening balance, no monthly service charges, automatic automatic access to Ecobank's payment and collection solutions, a loan of up to 200,000 Ghana cities and much more. The Ecobank Digi Banking Pack also comes with capacity building and financial literacy programs to help you grow your business. To find out more about how to grow faster and go further with a bank that understands your business, visit the nearest Ecobank branch or call toll-free on 3225 or email us on digiparkgh at ecobank.com. Let me tell you about Ecobank. Ecobank Mobile App is the CIMG product of the year 2018. Ecobank, two times CIMG Hall of Fame Bank. Ecobank is the first and the only national accredited entity to the Green Climate Fund. And of course, Ecobank is the Pan-African Bank. Let me go for a brief commercial break. When I come back, let me find out from Kofi your biggest fears and your biggest source of joy. Please enjoy. Charlie, where are you? Bossman, I'm at the bank. Really? But your car is in front of your house. Bro, my bank or my phone, Charlie. Oh, how? Ecobank, bro. With Ecobank Mobile App, I can do everything, anywhere, anytime. Listen, I just checked my account balance, paid AMA school fees, and sent money to my grandma at Walwale. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Masa, just download the Ecobank Mobile App from the Google Play Store or the App Store or dial star 770 hash and be your own bank manager. Manager, manager. Whether to pay bills or fees to check account statements, send money across Ghana, abroad, and more. Ecobank Mobile app has got it covered. Ecobank Mobile, making everyday people live everyday lives the Ecobank way. Ecobank, the Pan-African bank. So everyone says I'm a Kosia filler, but it's not like-
like I'm nosy. Or go out to find out the latest filler. It's just that I get 50 megabytes of data free after paying for only the first minute of every call. And so I just keep discovering stuff minute after minute. That's how come I was minding my business, scrolling through my timeline, and I found out Coco has a new baby. Oh, and last week, I learned Ken won the lottery. You see, Ken is my brother's friend. So, hello. Look who's about to vote with the rich and famous. <laughs> Enjoy even more value with MTN Free After One. You only pay for the first minute of your call on MTN Free After One. And the rest is free. Plus, you enjoy free 50 megabytes worth of data to browse your favorite sites. Open where? Open there. So dial star 315 hours to sign up. Good day for you everywhere you go. Terms and conditions apply. Springboard, your virtual university. It is 17 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. My guest is Kufidazi, co-founder of Rankard and a fellow of the Africa Leadership Initiative West Africa. And on the show tonight, he has shared his thoughts about what is significant and the fact that to execute and lead in anything significant, it is significantly difficult, but you have to get it done. Now, let's talk about... Let's go to our data is king segment and talk about fairness. Victor Hugo says being good is easy. What is difficult is being just or being fair. Let's find out from Amos what his thoughts are in our data is king segment. Amos, what do you have for today? Tonight we continue our presentation on the leadership qualities. So the data is king segment is premised on the fact that statistical data organized and presented in the right context improves understanding, reduces uncertainty, and facilitates accurate prediction of outcomes. Right. So, what's our statistic, so of the our statistic of the day is on fairness. Right. 58% of workers and 45% of chief financial officers cited fairness as the second most important attribute of business leaders according to a survey by Robert Half Management Resources, being second only to integrity, which is what we presented last week. The Harvard Business Review report titled Why It's So Hard to Be Fair shows that there is a good business case to promote fairness, particularly what is called process fairness. For instance, 17% of ex-employees who felt they were treated unfairly, filed wrongful termination lawsuit versus only 1% of those who felt they were treated fairly. This led to an estimated cost saving of $1.28 million for every 100 employees dismissed. So our concluding thought for tonight is related to a quote from Wes Fesler who says that fairness is man's ability to rise above his prejudices. So tonight we are asking as a leader, are you, are you able <laughs> to rise above your prejudices in order to treat people fairly, whether friend or foe? I can tell you what, it is easier said than done. <laughs> No matter what the new book says, <laughs> prejudice plays a role in leadership. I, you are human. I mean, I mean, Amos, you are very troublesome. Whenever you come, you come and remind us of what we should be doing that we are not doing. But it is important that we have this kind of conversation. Let's find out next week what the next 
attribute will be yes. that leaders should aspire to. So far, number one is integrity. Number two is fairness. Yes. Talking about fairness, it is unfair to have a discussion with Kofi Dazi and bring on Patrick Iwa and bring on Kweku Sechiado and not bring on his boss because every man has a boss. <laughs> Good evening, Ifwa Dazi. Good evening, How are you, Ifwa? I'm fine, thank you. You should see the look on Kofi's face. <laughs> No, it, it's priceless, <laughs> even without talking. Just the look on his face to know that his boss is on on uh, 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 on air. Okay, so for the benefit of those who are listening, this is Kofi's domestic boss. This is Mrs. Ifwa Daz. Ifwa, how are you? Fine, thank you. I'm very well, thank you. I'm very happy for you tonight because the description of your husband by Kwekusi Chadwen will record it and put it on YouTube. And wow. play it for his mother-in-law so that she sees that Charlie, <laughs> the man is a good man. They say he's a gentleman, gentleman, a brilliant leader, soft-spoken, steel strength, ethical, cerebral, and extremely knowledgeable. Charlie, wow. concluded by saying that he wants to be to, right. be to be your husband's student. Charlie, how did you feel when you're listening to that? Um, it was it was good. So that most of it I know already have the benefit of seeing so. Um, um, it was really hard for women to be hearing hearing that from Kukuti's death. Yeah. Let me find out from you. Um, you, 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 you get to live with him every day, so you see him in his down moments, his up moments. What kind of person is is Kofi Dazi? Well, I'll say Kofi is a primarily a family-oriented person. He's an amazing husband and father. Um, he's also a very passionate person and he applies his passion to all that he does. Um, he's also a deep thinker. He's highly analytical. And uh, in some way, I'll say he's an all or nothing kind of person. If you wanted me to summarize, I would say he's an all or nothing. So he's either all in or he's not. So that, that's how he, he, he operates. Family oriented. Passionate, deep thinker, highly analytical, all or nothing. I should write a book about Kofi Dazu. I'll make a lot of money. <laughs> if I, is, is, is he a romantic? He's very romantic. He's not just romantic, he's also chivalrous. Wow. It's a very, very nice combination. <laughs> chale, chale, chale. If I thank you very much. You have given us enough food for thought to write a book about your husband. I want to say a big thank you to you for joining us and for loaning him to us for tonight. And every time that he gets to come to join us as part of the adjunct faculty of Springboard of Virtual University. Thank you so much. Have a brilliant time. evening. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. <laughs> Charlie Kofi, no, but before before I know if I still listening, I know she's gone, but before before before, Charlie, how do you respond to your wife who says you are a family oriented person, passionate, deep thinker, highly analytical, all or nothing, and she says you are romantic, Charlie. What do you have to say for in, in your defense? Talk into the microphone so that your listeners can hear you because today is for you. <laughs> I am lost for words and um, she knows me. No, no, so. uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 your mic was off, so give it to us one more time. Okay. I am lost for words. Um, she knows me and um, I, uh, I'm lost for words. I, I don't know how to respond. Tell, tell her something. Tell her something. <laughs> you're, you're going back home. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I love her dearly, very much. Um, she has become my best and intimate friend. Um, she gets to see me in my weakest moments along with um, my fears she gets to observe. She is my greatest supporter. She is my fan. She is my strength. We pray together. We worship together. We talk about the future. Um, we're obviously, we're raising is that, is that kids. All? Well, a whole lot more. <laughs> so, all right. It is so, 10 minutes of the hour of 8 o'clock. And this is Kufidazi telling us that he, he, he prays and worships with his wife and a few other things. All right. So it's 10 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. Kofi, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear is not living up to my own ideals and aspirations. Why? Um, I think from a young age, I had, I have, I'm fortunate to have both of my parents still alive. I have parents who instilled and inspired certain virtues and aspirations in me. And I think I adopted them in a deep way. And ultimately, they involve being true to myself, being faithful, and taking all the privilege I've received to have impact in my society. And I just feel like I've, I'm, I'm still so far off from bringing those fully to bear. So my biggest fear really is not living up to those ideals and aspirations which I have adopted. And that's why you think excellence is a journey that you are on, always pursuing, always striving. I'll come back to you, but let me go to let me go back to Amos for our game changer segment today. And Amos has a very interesting story about how you can think you have got something all covered until you find out that it is not like you thought. Amos, what do you have for us today? So game changer forty nine. This is a beautiful piece written by Jojo. And shout out to Jojo, who is on an international assignment. And it's on checking your assumptions. Mosquito and Kodak. <laughs> and Jojo says, a few days ago, I was carrying a plate of jollof out of the kitchen when I saw something out of the corner of my eye. It was a fat mosquito flying slowly, probably full from dinner. I knew my time had come. Since I was a child, I've always wanted to catch a mosquito with one hand. And today was my lucky day. Quick as a flash, I caught the mosquito with my right fist and slapped my fist against my thigh to make sure it was dead. When I opened my hand to observe my victorious moment, a truly distressing sight awaited me. The mosquito was gone. I had missed. As I started to laugh at myself, I realized something. All the time I was slapping my thigh with my fist to kill the mosquito had been in vain because the mosquito was never there to begin with. Today, our game changer is checking your assumptions. Assumptions are an essential part of the human condition. Everything we do is based on assumptions. For instance, if you saw a clear liquid in a plastic water bottle, you would probably assume it was water. 
even though it could just as easily be rubbing alcohol. Although assumptions help us to make sense of the world around us, they can also get us into trouble when we base our decisions on the wrong assumptions. Kodak learned this the hard way. In the 90s, Kodak dominated the film market, selling 85% of camera hardware and 90% of the film needed to develop pictures. When one of their engineers first invented the digital camera, Kodak SX told them, that's cute, but don't tell anyone about it. Kodak's decision not to prioritize developing the digital camera was based on the assumption that the superior picture quality of analog photography would keep industry sales booming in the long term. Mm. That wrong assumption meant that Kodak missed out on the digital photography revolution and that is why today a company once worth $31 billion is on the verge of bankruptcy. To close, I would like to leave you with a quote from Canadian lawyer Robin Sharma. Remember, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. Most of us see through the eyes of our fears and our limiting beliefs and our false assumptions. This week, let us reevaluate the underlying assumptions behind the challenges we face so we can deal with things as they really are. This has been the Game Changer on Springboard. Have a phenomenal week. Phenomenal is the word, and it's four minutes to the hour of eight o'clock. Before I come to Kofi Daze to round up for us, let me just see that, Charlie, assumptions, it is so real. We easily think that we've got it all covered until we realize that it's not, it's not, it's not like we thought it was. Kofi, as we wrap up, what will be your thoughts for our listeners? You've shared some very interesting insights today, and your your friends who joined us, Kweku Sichado, um, Patrick Iwa, and Ifwa Dazi have shared some very interesting insights about you. But what is your own response, Kopi? Um, first of all, I can't leave here without um, expressing to Kweku Sichado that those were very kind words, and I aspire to be all those things he said. Um, I like the points on assumptions. You can spread these to any facet of life and are engaging. I think a lot of the time we should test and revisit the assumptions on which we're doing what we're doing. We're engaged in what we are, um, especially when we assume things about people we don't really know. And as a result, we're interacting with them on that basis. You see where the prejudice comes in sometimes, even in leadership, the issue about prejudice and fairness. Is there a connection between the two? There absolutely is. So, um, when I was listening to the point on prejudice, I was thinking on choices. Mm. We make choices all the time, and we make choices because of assumptions. Mm. And so, if there was a way in which we could get more information, whether it's reading more or talking, engaging more, and getting having an open mind, getting to understand why people do or say or be or are where they are, then we might respond differently. We might make our lives, if not the world itself, a better place if we would learn a bit more in such a way that it would inform the assumptions we have. 
and why we react to what's around us in the way we do. If I give you a choice to give us one word to chew on as you take leave of us today, what word will it be? It would be excellence. And it would be reflecting on excellence as a relentless pursuit. And so let's look at, let's, let's find examples. Both examples that are far away and that we probably have to see somewhere as well as those that are near us and that we can easily emulate. Excellence. It's been an excellent discussion with you, Kofi Daze, as we have explored your values, your choices, your, your persona, and then your learnings. I look forward to having another discussion like this another time. But in the meantime, in between time, I want to say a big thank you to the whole Springboard team for today. Coming up next is the work with Jesus, and it's about how to be a Christmas family as my brother, Elder Amos Kevin Annan, joins Pastor Ransford Abosi. Until we come your way again next week, my name is Albert Okran. God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night.